Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam, the Patagonia-wearing woman. You have a nice new Patagonia coat. This looks very smart, dude. Well, that's because I'm hip. You're hip cool? Yeah. I'm trendy, I'm a, baby. It's because I'm a surfer now. Yeah. You know, I just need to give myself a single fin, baby. <laughs> you got to dye your hair. I've got a small vinyl record collection. Hey. You know, vintage vinyl. Single fin. What the, I need is like a, an old kind of 1970s station wagon. Hey, <laughs> no. Got a real full, yes. full surf hipster. Full surf hipster. It is actually good gear. I've got a shirt from them and I do rate it. Listen, I think the bit they did when they gave something like 15 to 20% of everything they were going to make yeah. on a given day because of a sale they'd done yeah. to sustainability projects or something yes. charity i thought that was a huge huge move i think that really got them like this kind of i know they're always global yeah. but that was probably even more well they live global and they're, they're just a cool brand i just really like what they stand for they do great stuff it's yeah bloody expensive it's though, bloody expensive lad but um we're not even sponsored by patagonia either <laughs> but what i did what I, if they're listening if they're listening what i do like about them they oh. are very they live and honor the talk seemingly yeah. they stick out there about the environment you know, with the recycling and the kind of green materials, genuine green materials that they use. The philosophy I like more, though, because I was looking at um, Eve, the guy that sort of founded it, uh, the Patagonia founder, and this kind of philosophy of letting people that work for Patagonia go surfing, essentially, or whatever it is that their hobby is. And that resonates with me, somebody's trying to kind of build a build businesses, or you build a business. Is if you give people 15 20% of their time back, to do the things that they love, then great. Because we were, in very early episodes, we were probably talking about this idea that do companies that are supposedly encouraging people to live the surf dream or the outdoor dream, let their own staff members get out the door at a time they want to and go and hit the waves if the waves are good, right? I totally agree. And it would be, it's the ultimate walking your talk then. Yeah. If you've got a surfing brand, but no one in the brand is surfing, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. fucking brand are you? Yeah. What are you trying to... Put out there, it just doesn't make any sense. Or all the people that work there are sort of pressed, faces pressed against the window. Yeah. Looking at people surfing and saying, can I, can I go out for? Totally. And it's why it makes you think, fuck, how do, how do surf brands stay alive? Cause surfers are slack as fuck. So it's how they get anything done if the waves are pumping and, and everyone's yeah. in the office and then they're right next to the beach and you know, you wonder how anything gets done. Like it really would be quite funny to, to be a fly on the wall and just see. You know, the Hurley offices, let's say, you know, they've got the view of the beach and it's pumping and suddenly it's pumping and like, oh yeah, we've got this project. We've got a, there was a meeting and <laughs> the ma- I can only imagine oh. the amount of cancelled meetings and last minute changes and maybe they do this must be massive. I'd be lo- quite good to get one of these CEOs it. on the show, actually. If you work for one of those companies, let us know if this happens. I would love for the case to be in those businesses that as soon as the swells hit and you get this, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the old areas. Yeah, so, totally. And everybody like downs tools and runs out the building. Yeah, Yay! fuck it. That's epic. I totally agree. Yeah. Anyway. It is one of those ones where you think of lifestyle and we as surfers, we choose our jobs carefully, I would say. You think about it, it's like this thing where not one job fits all purposes for all people, all, all ideas. Because, you know, for one person... And I've got a buddy of mine who had this. He, he was working like way more hours than I would want to work, like 40, 50, 60 hours, quite a high pressure Is environment. All? Is that lazy, all? Lazy git. <laughs> but it afforded him two Mentawi trips a year. And that was his surf thing. 
for me, I'd much rather do 15, 20, 25 hours, 25 hours of push and be able to surf more regularly and have that more grounded life of just, you know, more relaxation, more walking, more time for, you know, family or whatever it might insert what you will. So we're all different this way, but I think as surfers, we've got to really know ourselves in that sense. And there are plenty of people, I'm absolutely guarantee there are plenty of surfers out there who are doing jobs that are obstructing that surf happiness that is their version they would want for themselves, you know? And if you're in that situation, if you know anyone in that situation, it's just being able to see that there are basically opportunities and possibilities of creating change. I mean, I've had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing those hours, Will, as you know, and, you know, wasn't surfing because I was working 60-hour weeks and on various planes, trains, and whatever else to do. And why we didn't, because my business partner at the time is a surfer as well. We both kind of downscaled the whole company in order to live by the beach and surf more, him in Japan and me here. You kind of have to rethink how you do things because you can be very unhappy in a very deep sense of the word, sometimes without even realizing it. So on a kind of, you know, from a mind-body connection, the unhappiness and the stress in your mind starts to create problems in your body, probably, you know, and there's some sort of well-documented cases about that. And I personally was doing exactly the same thing, wanted to surf more, but actually was spending more and more time building a company that was looking great, but was actually building a bigger and bigger box around my own preferred lifestyle. It's a kind of leap of faith to start saying, how do you dismantle it? And how do you kind of go and do the thing before you're too old? That's, you know, and it was talking to sort of, particularly Aussies, I think, have this great. And hello to all of our people on the other side in that kind of uh, lovely paradise that is Australia, who I credit some of my Aussie mates saying this to me. It's like, don't do the Brit thing of waiting until you retire to do the thing that you love. Do it now. Work just becomes a thing that's part of your life and your lifestyle. The acid test for me as well is trying to give that to people who, you know, still choose and want to work for the organization. And we're doing the Patagonia vibe in a way, referencing them to say, take 20%, 15%, whatever, a week of your week. If you've got a passion, I don't care. If you do great things, we were so factory mentality as a society in terms of how we expect people to turn up at their desk at a certain time, work for a certain number of hours, not to see their family, not to fulfill their hobbies until after work. It's crazy. It should be part of the whole thing in a way. And I'll let you know at the end of the year how the experiment goes, but I'm hoping that creates a genuinely more motivated, happy workforce. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody's doing what they want to do. And if your thing is that you want to, your hobby is to work those hours, then that's your choice. If you want to take a day off because the surf's pumping, go for it. Mm. I do. <laughs> Maybe I'm happy to admit it on here. Yeah, no, it's awesome, dude. It's one of those ones where I think back to when first started personal training, I was in London and it happened to coincide. We were actually getting into surfing at the same time. I'd never been into surfing. Yeah. I'd only played rugby. And it was a bizarre paradox that when I actually moved to London, I got into, into surfing, which is weird timing. But I always remember I was, um, one of my colleagues, she came back from, from, uh, or she was just about to finish work, excuse me. And it was a Thursday. And I said to her, I said, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll, uh, such and such. I can't remember her name. And she said, no, you won't. I'm, I, I don't work Fridays. I was like, oh, right. Okay. So, sure. Do you just don't work Friday? And she said, well, yeah, because, you know, we're self-employed personal trainers. You just, I just put my clients in money to Thursday. And I looked at her and Julie, I looked at Julie and just had this major epiphany. And it was really cool because that was it then. I did a four-day week from then and have done for the last decade so that I could surf more. Yeah. And I earned the same, if not a little bit more, because I actually was even more productive on a Monday. So it was a real lesson. There's a lot of lessons in that. But the one big one is if you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got. 
So if you want a new lifestyle, you want to make a change, you've got to do something. You got to, and it's got to be reasonably drastic at times. It's got to be like a, a conversation. It's got to be an email. It's got to be an action step or something just inside internally that you decide to do or whatever it might be. But there has to be a distinct moment where you take action on your surfing life because your surfing matters to you. It matters to me and it matters to all of us. It's this thing where, you know, that you can surf too much too, right? <laughs> we talked about this in the show. It's like the pudding that, you know, the child yeah. loves the pudding, 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 great. Eventually gets a bit sickly. But being able to, to fit that surfing into your lifestyle, if you make that a goal, it's achievable. Well, also, it comes back to, well, it's, this is anything, basically. I've seen it referenced recently in terms of training, but I think it was Parkinson's Law, wasn't it, that was written back, not Joel Parkinson, that would be a different thing. But Parkinson's Law said that work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Yeah? So, uh, you, you know, if you give somebody five days to complete a task, they'll take five days to complete a task. If you give somebody five hours to complete the task, they'll complete the task in five hours. So if you can structure that you are outcomes-based, whatever that might look like, that might be reference to your surf training, right? So you're outcomes-based. But you then have to squeeze that into whatever time window you've got. You'll tend to sort of make the, if you determine those gains within that time. And some things obviously take a lot longer than others, but there is that kind of law that was forwarded in that sort of ages and ages ago to suggest that that's exactly what happens. You work with what you've been given to complete things. I believe the world would be far better off having Fridays off, just in general. There's been loads of research that shows four-day weeks have a hugely positive effect on productivity, well-being, carbon footprint, you name it. There's loads of little things. But there's another side of me that doesn't really want it to happen because then there'd be more people in the sea. I know. <laughs> so Friday's a really good day. I've always loved Friday surfs because it's just the Friday vibes yeah. and there tends to be fewer people in the water. But no, it is that thing. And if, you, if people could come back on Mondays feeling fresher from having really created that balance in life, jeez, oh, I think everyone's a winner. Yeah. It is this really weird thing that we've invented as humans, these things called days. Yeah. Oh, that's called Monday. Yeah. That day's called Tuesday. Like mm. it's all in just a completely invented idea, all these things. And then we have this structure around, okay, well, you do your Monday, whatever fucking that is, mm. if it's not just the sun coming up and the sun going down, yeah. like you <laughs> spin around the sun and you do your till your Friday yeah. in inverticals, what, what the fuck that is. And then you have this Saturday, which we'll call Saturday. Then you have this Sunday and you start looking at it. And it's this amazing thing that society has built, this kind of really odd, strange, peculiar structure, which does not sit alongside what nature may or may not want. As in, if your body's saying rest, but you've still got work to do because it's what pays the bills. Well, shit, you know, now you're really competing with mother nature and mother nature like with all of us, will end up kicking us in the ass. She wins all the time. Because we had almost like a production line, factory, industrial complexes, capital sort of, capitalist companies rose up to the top that they needed workers working on assembly lines pretty much to start with at a certain pace, at a certain time for a certain number of hours and in order to be more and more productive. But the insanity to take that into I'm just going to use the office environment because some people don't have the luxury to do what we're saying and, and they're still kind of bound by these things. And that's for companies to get their shit together, really, to honor people's well-being and livelihoods. And I think, you know, hopefully more and more are doing that. But I was in London last week and it kind of really brought it home that the idea that we had companies that expected people to be in at a certain time in the morning. So therefore, everybody's got to cram on to transport this happens in cities around the world until the coronavirus kicked in cram onto buses and tubes and trains and whatever at a certain time or early morning flights to get to early morning offices and the insanity of that when you look back at it and say why we all collectively should have been asking why more 
I mean, disclaimer is we always had flexible start times between, you know, morning and sort of mid-morning to allow people to do that. But I was talking to somebody about it last week saying, the idea that you have to just from an arbitrary point of view be in an office to show that you're committed at a certain time when that's the worst time to travel for everybody if you've got families if you've got a life if you've got training if, if you want to go surfing surfing <laughs> yeah. and as long as you can create a sense that people are responsible for delivering outcomes it doesn't matter what let we're all able to manage our own time within some sort of realms of teamwork and making sure we work together as a team but yeah it was crazy so to see london last week where that kind of vibe is for a lot of people has stopped and it creates a way more space mm. in mind and body and physical proximity to people to kind of give you a bit of breathing space to kind of live. Hell yeah, yeah my right. man. And on the soapbox he goes. That's it's good. Given that we're fortunate that we can surf roughly yeah. speaking when we want, how have the waves been doing? Well, they weren't about very that. good in London, I can tell you that. They weren't very Flat. good in London, were they? No, Flat. Flat and dirty. So I got in yesterday. It was really cute, sort of clean, because we had a howling storm over the weekend, and I couldn't get in, and it didn't look very inviting anyway, to be totally honest. So I just got back and managed to get a window about an hour and a half yesterday on the puddle, and it was great, you know. People look at it and say, oh, you need a bigger board for this break. But it does great things on those, those waves. But like our usual kind of, it looked great, there wasn't a lot of room to make or put into practice the stuff that we're trying to learn. Yep. But maybe people want to know, has your training, your weaknesses helped on some of those things? Absolutely. Yeah. It's helping that backside little slash that I'm still... Helping your backside per se as well, like just in the appearance of it in your jeans. Oh, it looks mighty fine. It's looking nice and peachy yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot... And of, your backside turns. There was a lot of compliments <laughs> in the lineup. Hey. <laughs> tell you what, bums... Nice bum. I'll tell you, bums look... So much rounder when, and by the way, this is not them me saying, oh, how much have you looked, Will Foster? Here we, here we go. <laughs> but they do. People's bums do this really amazing arch thing when they're laying on a surfboard. Oh. I'm a bit of a connoisseur of this, by the way. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a connoisseur of this. When we've been in certain parts of the world, observing certain situations, it's quite a spectacular thing to see. When you're redesigning the next um, Buell impact suit that like, Jamie O'Brien wears, instead yeah. of the impact zone being in the the sort of shoulders and that you're going to put them in the in the butt area in the butt area and that'll be quite a, that'll be quite a funny Buell suit to do a, to do Buell have always done these I was like, always I don't know how long they've been around but the skeleton suit yeah. and the bright suit and all these random the suits Kardashian, the Kardashian but you suit. do like a Kardashian no, absolutely with like a full thong deal yeah. glistening glutes sort of shining out of the black and whatever anyway I have been good I had a really nice surf on Friday that just came together and there were so many variables that kind of all coincided and it was this thing where I felt fantastic that's always a good place to start so I felt really in a good place flexibility strength all these things my ball was dialed I had my fins dialed there was no one in and it was just turn after turn after turn after turn and those kind of serves really do remind you at least this is the word I'm looking for of why it is you do it you do have those surfs. Now, here's the thing is that then you get into this mindset of like, oh, I want every surf to be like that. And I want it to be back like that. And I want to be able to do it again and again. And spontaneity doesn't work like that. No. The variables in surfing are so large, you cannot create that spontaneous epic surf every time. Or even like more than a good amount of times out of 10. Like it just comes together when it comes together. I mean, listen, obviously you've got forecasts that helps and you've got you know, certain places where you live. 
South Coast of England versus Australia. Well, listen, maybe Australia is an okay place to start versus yes. where we live. So there's obviously things you can do to create control mm-hmm. over how much high performance. I wasn't going to say joy there because I say how much high performance you can get in the ocean because mm-hmm. these were high performing ways. There's loads you can do in that way. But in the end, to a greater or lesser degree, like I said, depending on where you live, but in the end, as surfers, we absolutely have to let go of expectation. I feel like it's probably the most important thing that we could do going into surfs. It's just have the right amount of boards that you need for whatever shows up. And then the mindset is, I'm going to get what I get. And I'm just going to go in and embrace and see what happens. Those sessions we've had recently, you don't know when they're going to come together. It's like, no. it's like the timing of the tide and what the crowd is like and what, listen, what state you're in that day, yeah. mentally, physically. Like there's just so many little yeah. things. But I think what we do, this is what I do at least, is I then go, oh, I want that again. Cause it's like a drug. You want that again. And then your next surf is like, okay, <laughs> at least I got in. And it's not quite the same high. And it's like, fuck. And it's so important to let go of joy. If you've had insane, incredible joy doing something, it leaves you in that space, but there will always be a coming down. You can't stay in that space the whole time. It's not natural. It's not how it works. But I did enjoy it. I did embrace it. I was the only one in and then maybe eventually one other buddy came in, another guy down the beach, but it was just, it was special. And that board, that puddle jumper board which are shit. I mean, Matt, when are you going to get hold of us to let us know how many we've sold? I mean, we have sold, you and I've been talking about this board. We must have sold hundreds by now. So people listen to this, but that board makes your surfing easier to do in a high performing way. But there's a downside to that. And you've talked about this with Ombi. It does definitely make you feel lazy in terms of how you do your turns. And when I go on a shortboard now, I've kind of lost my mojo with my shortboard. It's kind of weird. I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? When I go to generate speed down the line, even on quite a good wave, like, whoa, where's the gas? Mm. I'm used to this like turbo engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's the gas coming from? What then the universe is trying to teach me is get back to the pocket and surf tighter mm. to the pocket because what certain balls do is they teach you a certain thing in a certain way. And if you then want to surf in a different way on a different ball, you've got to suddenly untrain all that shit. It's quite hard to do that. Yeah. That's a real challenge in mind. Have you found that on the product? I mean, the speed on it is outrageous, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as I was saying last episode, when we had a North Coast trip, the speed almost was too much as the waves got punchier and punchier in a good way because it sort of starts to kind of, at the moment, the where I'm at with my surfing, it's helping a little bit, but it definitely prevented me from putting into practice the stuff that, yeah, the guys at Ombi have been saying, talking about because the board had already raced off given my ability and what the board is doing, I've missed some of the things that I would like to do. But one thing it's very, very good at is getting you in that sort of power pocket takeoff zone. It gives you confidence of taking off. There were times when I was definitely much more cautious of taking off in the absolute foam ball power zone. And I've really pushed myself to get closer and closer to that so that you're not having to do that much paddling, but you have to do even less on that board because you just, you cut the strokes. And if you're in the right zone, it lifts and up, up you go. Problem then, to an extent, is if it's critical wave and it's really good, the borders race far out down the line away from the fun, fun stuff that's happening. Like anything, there's give and take, isn't there? Mm. But it's just for where, where I feel I'm at the moment on our waves, on those slack waves, it's so forgiving that it's helping me put into practice what I'm trying to achieve. It's really cool. So if you filmed it and had a look back and go, oh no. <laughs> we're all the same. I thought I looked like Mikey February on that last week. When we see photos, a video is of ourselves of you surfing. Yeah. 
it's such a great moment to practice mindfulness. Yeah. The power of ego and how it poof, takes over in those moments is really remarkable. And I think it's unique to surfing too, because surfing's in its own unique way, like an art form. Yeah. So you're expressing your art, you know, your board choice, your style of surfing, your break that you go to, you know, you're expressing yourself in a really quite peculiar way. It's like putting yourself on stage to go dancing in front of people. That is kind of like that. It's a vulnerable thing in a sense, you know, this is how you serve. And so when you look at it in video or in photos, it's that thing where, oh my God, that's terrible. Where are my arms? Why am I doing that with my face? I do this fucking super weird thing with my face where I blow up my cheeks. Like a puffer fish. Like a puffer fish. Who is this fucking puff fish riding down the line with his arms looking all like a bowl of spaghetti? Where are the arms going, mate? What are you doing there? Why are you cratching like that? That wasn't where the wave was at its best. It was over there. Okay, it's fine if you're doing it under the proviso of Okay, actually, that could be better if I did that. Because I have done that. One of our great friends at the show, Carl Baker, had a bit of footage from him. And I could see that I'm a little upright in my front side cut back at times. Not my backside. I tend to get in really low and tight into my backside. My front side, I can almost end up a little too extended. So I compress, which is great, but I extend a little too early. And that was quite cool to watch. And I was able to see it. But another whole part of my ego looked at it and just went, oh, that's... Mm, that's awkward. <laughs> that's got very little flow in it. There's hardly any spray, whatever. But this is what it really comes back to. It's just, how the fuck does your surfing feel? Yeah. Because that is what it is all about. And there we go all the way back to metaphors for life. How does the life feel? Does it feel good? Are you in a flow? Are your expectations set too high? Do we expect that it's going to be great all the time? Because it isn't. It's going to be great. It's going to be shit. All in different times when you least expect it, although it is kind of taking all of that stuff that you learn as a surfer and going, ah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the wave of life as well, right? So you just kind of ride it. Such a metaphor for life. sound like Roland Keating then. Life is a roller coaster. Life is a roller coaster. You just gotta ride it. If you would like to buy William Foster's latest album, anyway, you will find it in. Anyway. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Segment number two, Mindful Surfer, just a couple of moments just to raise the awareness of your breathing. So take a breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. Just really notice the air going into the next breath. Four seconds in, breathing in. And then breathing out. Just do one more breath and just really notice the air as it goes in. So breathe in for four. Hold your breath. And then breathe out slowly. Great work, guys. There's nothing, um, in my opinion, opinions are like our souls, everyone's got one. 
there's nothing more calming to the human body than taking deep breaths other than maybe a big old glass of wine or something else like that or a joint or insert what you will into there but natural methods methods aside from anything uh, where you put something in in your body now how does that relate to surfing how can that help surfers well it's just that whether it's not being able to actually get to the surf could potentially be a stressor that could be via injury lack of time lack of finances whatever it might insert what you will and then even actually get to the ocean the conditions aren't what you want you don't feel so great there's a big crowd in there or whatever so as surfers like all humans we're dealing with these variables that are outside of our control if there's one thing i know about humans being one myself we want control that is our number one that we want to be able to control our lives and so when things are outside of your control it can be challenging and it is and it's why it's remembering to remember to breathe deeply and that sounds like a silly one but what it is it's like you know just remember to you can say to people say look remember to breathe deeply when you even get slightly out of your center so we call it that and then you go yeah well how do you remember well you remember to remember so it's like it's, it goes back a step it's not just remember you got to remember to remember so it's like set up reminders on your phone download uh, meditation apps do whatever you can do to just little reminder have cues i think it's good to have those cues so there's a moment in the day there's a time of day there's a cue just before a meal is a good cue like find your moments in the day where you can just fit it in because you don't need hours and hours and even just by let's say watching tv and eating your dinner you just breathe in more deeply then i mean geez at least you're doing it then it's which way you can implement into your life for the physical and mental benefits which of course intertwined i believe that the apple watch the eye watch does that for you as a cue it tells you to breathe it does it second. so my wife tells me but i don't have one i mean we were, somebody posted this the other day i think it was the Pat barrel patrol podcast because i've got the casio sort of f91w surf watch that is 22 pounds from most local convenience stores garages or otherwise doesn't remind me to uh, take deep breaths just tells me the time it's got a stopwatch <laughs> as well but I, you know but yeah i think that does that so the tech is doing that I think there's, um, with that kind of reminder, there's an imbalance because it's also distracting you at the same time and taking you out of the moment that you may or may not be in. Mm. But you're right, I think cues to breathe. Weirdly, it's one of the things we forget to be conscious of. And as soon as you get to be conscious of your breath, it does. It works for me every time. The car, it can really calm you down. Big time. It's one of those ones where the time in our day or times in our day we need it the most is often when we'll forget to do it the most. And also, so therefore, let, allow that to be a cue and create that as a cue. You know, the times you really need it the most is when you're most likely to oh, carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on. No, 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 no. At this point now, just really honor that body of yours. Really on, it's that word honor that it needs care, taking care of. And I know for me, listen, I'm not perfect whatsoever on this stuff. And the amount of times I go headstrong into chores and this and that and doing emails and talking to people and coaching people, whatever it might be. And for two, three hours, I haven't taken a deep breath. I've just been absolutely in that mode. But has to be some sort of recovery, some sort of calming, calming down. Calming. To be able to do things like even digest a meal better. And if you digest your meals better because you're implementing your deep breathing meditation into your life, shit, that's going to have a huge effect on your surfing. You absorb more minerals, you absorb more protein, you recover better. Like If you actually look at the chain effect of how we make our decisions in life, if you put surfing at the top of the totem pole, shall we say, all the little tiny things that go on in your days... And your moments and your hours have an effect on your surfing. It's not just like, what board are you riding? And are you doing a stretching routine? You know, whatever. It's actually, there's so much more to it than that. Yes. The meme was that the other day, wasn't it? 
there's only so much a board can do for you. It's about your mind and body have to be, that's where to start. It's a bit like training from the roots up their foundations to lay. And if you think about it from a physical point, it's the kinetic chain, isn't it? It starts at your feet and all the way up to the top. That carries that methodology. If you put the right foundations in place and you're building good things on top of those very strong foundations. And really the board is just the last thing. We talked about it so many times. It's like you see people like this in cycling. They're on the carbon fiber bike, thousands of pounds worth of bike, and they're not fit to cycle the hills they want to get up. And the bike's not going to do it for them. We were chatting before the show about that very point I was going to make is that um, this is something I've had to learn the hard way over the years as well, is that whatever you get to help you do something, whether it's a board or a trainer or a, you know, it could be somebody who helps you with nutrition or it could be a coach to help your business or it could be somebody to help you overcome a certain anxiety or whatever it might be. Whatever the thing it is you're bringing somebody in to help you with or if you're buying a piece of kit to help you progress at something, that thing or that person is not going to do the thing you want to do for you. You, as an individual, have to take ownership of the thing you're trying to achieve or the thing you're trying to own, if you like, and do the things that you are required, the advice that you've been given, in order to improve. But it doesn't happen by magic. You don't surround yourself by all these people and then suddenly the advice by osmosis, Kelly Slater's calling you up every day. We know how he talks now, right? Hey. You want some tips on surfing? Right. So <laughs> he's got he's gone a little bit Chinese yeah, now. Yeah, he's going to kick our ass if he ever sees that. Okay. He could as well, yeah, Kelly, because yeah, he does jujitsu too. He is a tough guy. You could take all that advice, but it's not just going to sort of you don't just absorb it and then you walk out and you, you're able to surf pipe or you're able to sort of deal with the physical improvements you were trying to make because you've taken advice of some sort of great physical trainer. You have to do the hard work. There is yeah, no shortcut, yeah, is there? Damn straight. And that is frustrating sometimes. It, it fucking, absolutely. And if we would call these, let's say, goals, yeah. to a lot of people, it might be the goal of getting fitter, the goal of getting healthier, the goal of whatever, to help your surfing, losing weight, insert what you will. It's interesting, there's research that shows that talking about your goal with other people actually makes it less likely to happen. Really? And this is what's really interesting with this. I remember researching this yeah. in my book. You kind of think it's the other way around. Yeah. No, no, tell as many people as you can. So you create accountability there because they'll, they'll better say things like, you know, have yeah. you got on with your X, Y, Z just yet? Yeah. But what I'm saying is the research shows that when people, let's say you take, you know, John mm. and he wants to lose a stone for his surfing. It's going to have an improvement in surfing. If he tells people, apparently he's 80% less likely to do it. Mm. He starts talking about it. And the reason why is he gets a dope. This is really, really I find this fascinating. It's because he gets a dopamine release at the point of saying he's going to do it. Now, here's the kicker. We know that it is not one feel-good rhythm after another when you go to do something that's tough, that's hard, and isn't making a change. When you finally stop drinking beer after beer and, and eating certain foods, that is not a high dopamine moment. A high dopamine moment is the bit where you get to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be doing this whole regime, and it's all going to be like this, and da-da-da. You're flipping your reward centers on their head, and you're actually turning it into this reward to be able to say to people what you're going to do. And that's why it doesn't work, because guess what? When it comes down to it, when you go and have a cold shower, you've got to eat that meal. or you got to, When it comes down to the nitty-gritty of actually doing the work, it is not one feel-good rhythm after another. It actually initially is really freaking hard. It's why if people just stoically, quietly eat that meal and do that session and do that stretch and do this with their boards or do that with their lifestyle to better surf or whatever it may be, if they actually just literally do it and don't tell anybody, it's 80% more likely to do it. True. I think Stephen Kotler talks about that in his book about kind of being superhuman in a way. 
the, yeah, the broadcasting. And exactly that reason, dopamine. It's why talking about things that are difficult, surfing's difficult for a number of reasons. It's, it's also easy for certain bits as well. But anything that's challenging, but that requires discipline and, and grit to get into a place where then you find a flow state, you have to push through some bits that are not enjoyable. And determination to get to the other side is what carries you through. And once you're there, there are good things that happen on the other side. But it's not then an end point, as we've said. It's not destination. You don't just suddenly become, well, I'm a great surfer, or I'm a great father, or I'm a great business person, or whatever. It requires then continual learning, development, growth, uh, repetition of practice to keep going, just to maintain, and actually sometimes just to maintain the way you're at. But the quick dopamine release, and this is where I get onto my bashing social media thing again, it's easy, you get quick dopamine hits, so the brain likes it, so it keeps going back to it. Yeah, yeah. But there's no depth or long-term reward from that. It's like fast food. It's, you go, oh, that tasted great. But the crash afterwards is horrendous. Whereas if you kind of metaphorically drink your bulletproof coffee and it, you get a slow-burn caffeine release from the changes you're making to your lifestyle, that's really, that's, really mm, that's so much more rewarding. But yeah, look, I mean, sometimes, you know, we, even the surfing, you go, that was a really hard session because huh? I feel disappointed that I didn't put into practice what I, what I wanted to do. And I'm not strong enough to do that. or I'm not technically advanced enough to do that. Then you've got to go back to whatever, the gym, the skate, the mush burgers and keep going. Damn straight. practicing. So yeah, nobody's going to do it for you. And it's not easy. There you go. Segment number three, mind, body, stoke. Things Liam and I have been doing with minds and bodies to raise the stoke. I want to talk about body, which is this press-up challenge that I've been doing to improve my snap uh, on my takeoff. I find press-ups damn hard. It's easily for me my weakest, the weakest bit of my body. And my weakest exercise is just doing press-ups, just straight up. And I'm on day seven now i think we started last week didn't we both of us you were doing the legs i was doing the, the press it's already paying off what's interesting what i'm trying to do is i'm basically creating one goal do it every day this comes from the guy who has a youtube channel called athlean x very very much worth checking out that guy i can't remember his name oh jeff cavalier boom there you go check that out we'll leave it in the show notes a phenomenal resource for strength conditioning work on your body that can help you surfing He's a really smart guy. He's got his finger on the pulse. He's got loads of techniques. He's a very good presenter and all these good things. And has good banter, actually. And that really helps. His thing is, if you have an exercise that you don't like and are not very good at, which normally are linked together, let's be honest, the ones that I don't like, I'm not good at, except the ones I like, I'm good at, you know, it's how it goes. If we're human, do it every day. So if it's squats, do them every day. If it's press-ups, do them every day. If it's pull-ups, do them every day. But you must stop eventually. And this is the key. It's 30 days. What he says is, you don't have to get to overload. You don't have to get to the point of your last press-up, like you know, blood pouring out your ears every day. What he says is, you just do it every day to have any reps you feel is natural on that day. So for me, I've been doing, you know, my max PB is 30 press-ups, or 31 the other day, I did a 31. All the way to the floor, chest mm-hmm. touch the ground, and all the way up, okay? Intermittently around that, I've only done two peak days out of seven. The remaining five, I've just done like either 10, like 14, whatever I can put in. But here's the key. The question becomes, why? Why do it every day like this? Well, what you're doing is you're building a synaptic relationship between brain and body more than you are the body itself. Because the biggest strength gains we can make in a weak area of our body are not physically related. They're actually related to your mind. It's what's called the neural output. So if you build up this pathway, this relationship between brain and body, 
You go to do that thing and bang, it just flows and it works. And over time, once you've done this 30 days, you then back off and you keep those gains for a few months. It's just basically, it's just, for example, for some people, it might be a plank. You might be really weak at those. It might be your squats. It might be a lunge, a pull-up, a press. I mean, they're the basic five exercises that affect your surfing. And if you sort of pick one of them, which is your weakest one, basically, and just work on it, it does work. Yeah. How are you feeling on your squats now? Good. I mean, still a long way to go because, as I say, I was away in the city, big city last week. But I still did them there. That's impressive, dude. Now, obviously not in a pub or anything like okay, that. Okay, fine. But what that journey did remind me of, though, is the kind of long hours sitting down commuting or traveling that starts to weaken the lower body in a way. This sort of, you know, it's just a one-off this, in this instance. It is getting better, but I am just doing the squats and holding, you know, the sort of low hold. Not too low that they're disengaged and you're just doing a sort of hip opener, but enough to create sort of significant loading to strengthen the lower chain. And I'm trying to do it while I brush my teeth, while the kettle's on, just a random moments, and try and hold it for as long as I can. And then do some squats. I did some weighted ones this morning, just to kind of add a bit of bit of meat to it. It's really good. But no, it's good. We'll see we, next time we go yeah. to surfing of consequence. Yeah, uh, totally. See how it goes. Everyone's got strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. It's about having the humility yeah. to know where that weakness is, yeah. and then the wherewithal and determination yeah. to work on it. And uh, it can make a massive difference. Your surfing is not a static thing. It can always improve and always change and grow if you're willing to put in the work. Dude, and I think that's where it's at with the surfing progression, just on that point. Because, again, this will keep popping up. But, you know, this idea that surfing is such a sort of ego-shielded sort of pastime sometimes. Always once you get past a certain level. We're not talking about people who are learning surf school happy. That's a great place to be, surf school. That's raw, unadulterated, surf like no one's watching, don't give a shit, great joy. As soon as people start to think, oh, I'm surfing, yeah, I'm surfing. It's weirdly, unlike other sports, as some of our pals who are in other sports have talked to us about, they don't want to take input or coaching or advice. Having been there myself, because if you surf for a long time but you're not progressing, you go, I'm a surfer, leave me alone. And it really is quite painful to shine a light on your weakness and maybe admit that you are and you put whatever label on this, a beginner or an improver or a, you know, and admit you can't do certain things. And hopefully I think it's changing with like on co- different coaching available, different different sort of ways of progressing. You can sit back and say, do you know what? Yeah, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not an advanced surfer. But it comes with a little bit of, dare I say, pub surfer attached to certain, uh, usually blokes as well, who, who when you speak to them in, in the pub or that kind of environment, it sounds like you're having a chat with, you know, Cole Rothman or, you know, Cole or, you know, Riss Moore or somebody like that. And then you see people surfing, you're like, okay, yeah, that doesn't add up. It doesn't (laughs) add up. There's no coherence there at all. Yeah. And at the same time, what does it matter? It doesn't. Because in the end, if you feel like Kelly, when you surf, who the fuck am I to judge? Yeah. That's the damn truth. Yeah. So if you're ripping it in your eyes yeah. in your mind and body yeah. who the hell wait, that you you are winning my friend yeah that's it that's all we need to know but if you want to make progression that's different you've got to shine a light that's different if you know that there's room to go and yeah. you want to get better it's like the damn straight you've got to then be able to go oh actually um uh can you show me how to do that and, yeah. and it is humbling be honest with yourself dude anything you want to share mind body we've got this uh we want to share this stuff about yeah i think you covered most things i think what we want to get into it sort of starts to bleed into the surf media is what is surfing yeah exactly we put this meme out what is surfing comment below and it was a good response really? it was nice to see the community sort of there 
Because we've not had many sort of interactive posts like that, and it was kind of, that was really cool. What it highlighted is exactly the themes of this show. You know, as we always say, like mindfulness with a smile on its face. And there are some potty mouth moments in that. Yeah. So we had some of our really cool, serious stuff where, you know, it is, it's zen, it's bliss, it's escape, it's yeah. the source. Yeah. I mean, we've got, you know, Tribe of Zen or we put some very great deep stuff and sort of Sean, I mean, Sean Zappo, who said it's Sadhana, you know, Sadhana, which is very aligned with that sort of Buddhist philosophy. There were some very much Taoist sort of comments in there. Tribe of Zen said it is the source, you know, what else can you do that allows you to ride the sun's energy in liquid form? Totally. Even ads from the grumpy surfer, a way to cosmically expand your mind and soul through the rhythm of slide and glide over liquid ecstasy. Get in ads. So it's such a cracking line from ads. That's really, that's beautiful. Ads, if you listen to this, I love that. Yeah, absolutely tremendous. Because I could not describe it better myself. I think that's a beautiful description. What I like is there's also a lot of banter going in there too. One person comes in with it, just want to pick up chicks. Well, I was going to get to that one. That's where I was going to get. Um, uh, I freaking love that. That's for us, everything we stand for in our mindfulness. This is not taking it so seriously, so woke and so heavy. This is like balancing the light and the heavy. You know? Exactly that. It's balance between light and dark. And for some people, like the nomadic surfer, it's a break from calling bipolar and allowing peace and calm of mind. For others, it's fun family time. Lots of stuff that came up has been a happy place and, and actually, yeah, forced mindfulness, which is interesting. Like I said, it's always that cheat code into kind of presence. Uh, loads comes up about surfing for sanity or mind and, and that blue health is great. Uh, round one fitness said art, which is a great answer. We've had that loads of times as well before, but it's really nice to see everybody. Surfing is different to everybody. Jack at longboard technique, most rewarding sport out there. And I think we all, everybody that commented would probably agree with that. Um, although our friend of the show, Ed Woolner, simply said it's non-existent in the summer, surfing. <laughs> That's good. Which is a good answer. That's good. Where we live, it's yeah. pretty flat. There we go. Very true. Oh, hang on. Matt Byler said as well. What do you say? Surfing is... <laughs> a ch- a ch- go on, you do. Chance to move the bodies. <laughs> in the boards. <laughs> Fit them in the boards. It's really interesting how different it is yeah. to different people and uh that's stunning that really highlights that for me yeah we're all so different keep that coming guys your comments and thoughts and we're very grateful yeah. to have everybody yeah, that's listening straight. there's a real community of mindful surfers out there that we interact with and you're bear with us because we try and live a little bit of our advice and get off social media quite a bit yep but broadly speaking you know we try and get back to everybody, but there's some really lovely stuff coming through. And any ideas you've got, what you want to hear in the show or see on the content, then let us know. I also want to share on Surf Media, on our last segment here, uh, something by Graham Bezinger. Have you heard of him? No. So he's got a Should YouTube channel. Who is, Who is this guy? Graham Bezinger. He interviews top sports people mainly. I think he's interviewed a few politicians, whatever. But anyway, he's an interviewer. Very, very good. Yeah. So he's both probing but empathetic at the same time. So he's got the nice balance. I'm still waiting for his call. There you go. <laughs> he has got Maya Grabrera on there oh, yeah. just recently. Amazing. And it was just really, really interesting listening to her talk about the criticism she faced yeah. from Laird and Kelly too. And even her ex-partner, who's a German big wave surfer as well. They still are toteen, which is a very interesting dynamic. So they've actually parted ways but they're still doing the toe thing for each other in that way because it's really really interesting it's this thing where we can we can all do this we can get onto this woke thing of gender 
But if you kind of just, for me, if you just move that to one side, you just got two humans interacting. Now, should Laird have said what he said and criticized her just after having almost killed herself? Well, maybe not. Maybe the timing's pretty poor. Mm. But he was asked. He didn't go out of his way to go on CNN. CNN asked him, what's your view on this thing? And he said, well, actually, I just think she hasn't got the, the skill level. Now, the way that can be taken is two ways. One, it's just one human talking about another human. And let's just get away from this man, woman, all that. And the other way is, is that way, that woke direction of, oh, it's, you know, you wouldn't say it to a man or, you know, it's sexist. It's all these things. And actually, this is where I think we just got to really draw the line and say, you know what? Led said what he said. Kelly said what he said, because Kelly had similar thoughts. He actually thought that Maya had put herself into a too dangerous a situation in Chiapu, Chops. She talks about that again on the clip, but it's just really worth watching Graham Bezinger, Maya Grabera. Very, very fascinating stuff that... And she actually, just to really just talk about her as well, is incredibly eloquent. And actually, there isn't aggression in her yeah. from what the comments were. There isn't hatred. There isn't. Any. So it's a really good balance to what she's saying. And it's I've, worth watching. I've seen her speak and her stuff. I didn't know about the Laird stuff, actually. So that was off my radar. But I always like what she's putting out there and what she's kind of doing. And, God, she's amazing. Yeah. From my point of view, looking as a sort of lay person and a sort of you know, microwave surfer, I just cannot even begin to fathom how you start that life, you know, but she's doing some amazing stuff. Damn straight. And talking about men and women in this way, the amount of doors she would have to smash through to be in the position she's in, in this male-dominated sport that is surfing. So fair play to her, especially big wave surfing. Well, big wave surfing. Big wave surfing even more so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So fair play, Maya, if you're listening. And check that out. Right. Guys, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. And we'll uh, see you next week. See you soon.